We must act together as a united people for national reconciliation, for nation building. Mandela's legacy is carried by us as a united people. Let us stand together because together we can overcome. We have done it before and we can certainly do it again. Do it again. Hashtag we will overcome. SAFM leading our united nation in this conversation. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome uh, Dr. Mpumelelo Ngobe, who's the head of department at a C- and a senior lecturer at the Department of Social Work at the University of the Free State. Dr. Ngobe, thank you very much for joining us. So, Charlie, good evening. You know, uh, today we are talking about our violent protest culture in South Africa. My first question is, are we really violent when we protest? Or is it, uh, this has become, uh, you know, a, a new thing to us as South Africans? Um, so, so to, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, and for this particular topic that we are looking at today. Perhaps we need to also look at that uh, we are now in 27 years, it has been 27 years of um, a a democratic dispensation in South Africa, um, which was an attempt to break away from the painful past, the painful past whose scars are still visible even today. But for some, perhaps it's better off if if it's scars. For some, it's not scars, but you, you, we are seeing and witnessing the festering wounds uh, with um, pus oozing throughout every day. You're seeing pus oozing out through those wounds. But the good part is that this democracy that we're talking about was is couched within a constitutional uh, dispensation, you know, within the constitutional confines. And within that constitution, uh, so totally, you also find uh, a provision that uh, that says people have got the right to demonstrate, um, people have got the right to picket and submit petitions and so forth and so on. But all that has to be done peacefully. Uh, people shouldn't be armed and so forth and so on. So if we are seeing people protesting in South Africa, perhaps it is a good thing because you are you are seeing people taking the provisions of, of, of the constitution putting them into action and if that action becomes a culture is something that then we need to celebrate as a people because uh, the, the constitution is being put into action but your question says are we violent now in the protests that we are seeing over the past since uh, since uh, 2013 coming coming to where we are now there's been escalation of violent protests it's not just violent protests it's wanton violence so we are seeing that and that violence is now becoming part of our uh, our protest culture there's no, nothing wrong with having a protest culture because it is provisioned for in the constitution but if if that is now accompanied um, by wanton violence that is where we raise our eyebrows and say do we have a, a problem amongst ourselves in as far as our protests are concerned so at all. 
Now, is our past, especially the apartheid past and the way protests were done, um, something that has trickled into protests now? I mean, you see service delivery protests uh, that are happening across the country. You see uh, trade uh, labor unions protests uh, that are an occurrence uh, in South Africa annually. Do you think uh, the violence uh, comes from our past? In actual fact, as you, you, you are right to indicate that this violence has always been there, even uh, it predates 1994. So this this violence emanated as a result of the authorities of that, of that time who couldn't listen to the people coming to them, presenting their petitions, indicating their, their, their grievances. And after some time, then it was then the leadership of the people that took it upon themselves that look we cannot continue in this path where we present our petitions we indicate our grievances but we're not being listened to we're being taken for a ride then violence became part of the protest um and what we are experiencing today as um looking at the democratic uh, project that we have today came as a result of those protests and not just protests but violent protests but the question is could it be that the kind of violence that we have now stems from from that era some of it and not all of it so where would the other um issues stem from now as as what as it was the case even pre-1994 where you've got people um presenting their petitions to the authorities and not being listened to we are also seeing also in this point in time where people raise their their, their concerns to their leadership uh, perhaps uh, at, in their wards and it escalates uh, it, it escalates right up to the national level they present their their concerns and the argument has been that as we present our concerns we seem not to be listened to it will seem that the only way where we then get the authorities to move from the from from their high offices to where we are will be to have some form of violence and then you see people embarking on violence and now you are seeing the the, the the escalation in intensity of the violence it wasn't like this in the in the from 1994 but as we move forward in this democratic dispensation you are seeing the intensity of violence escalating from day in day out there are various um, examples that we can um, highlight here of violence that sometimes you, you even wonder why was it meant to be like that why did they have to put so much um, violence uh, in it, it it's, it's because people it, 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 they've, it, sometimes they've uh, reached at a point where they're saying look we're seeing that the only language that the authorities understand is violence and for them to respond faster let us ensure that we intensify our violence and that is that becomes detrimental to our communities you know, sometimes I I I look at the way we protest, and it, it it scares me at times. We'll be protesting for service delivery, so perhaps water or electricity, and then we'll start burning a school, or we'll burn a library, and we don't realize that our protests actions that are, you know, causing um, infrastructure that is vital to education, vital to the communities, are also disruptive for our communities. And as, as social science, um, you know, uh, says, what can we do? What are the remedies around conscientizing communities that protests can be done peacefully without damaging infrastructure, without damaging um, and, and killing and maiming people. 
Yes. Thank you very much for that uh, question. In, you, you see, in, in August uh, of this year, we had um, a colloquium where basically we're looking at violence in our protests. Uh, it was hosted by the Department of um, Social Work at the University of the Free State. Um, and in that, um, that colloquium was an engagement between academics and, uh, and government. We had the Minister of Social Development there. We're talking to her to say, and her question was that, what, what, what role then is it for social science, scientists um, since we are seeing this and violence being a perennial problem in our communities, how best can we tackle this? And in, acad- in academia, we've got what we refer to as engaged scholarship. You see, what we do um, as academics, we, 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 we do research, we publish, we write books, and there's quite a lot that has been done in as far as this phenomenon is concerned. But unfortunately, our communities don't read, read our research papers, and we don't expect them to read. It is up to us as academics to break down our research findings and go down to the level of the, of the communities and begin to engage them at that level. And it is also important also to, to engage the government um, at all spheres, of, uh, all spheres of government, at all levels, uh, to ensure that they also uh, understand the kind of research that we come up with. They also understand the theoretical frameworks, the models that we develop through our research, and then we assist them in understanding and implementing them in the community. So that will be the key role of, um, of, 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 of academics. It is our role as academics to ensure that we engage people to understand that while they, they understand their rights, because our people don't need to be told about their rights. They know them. They can sing them. But it seems like there's a depth of understanding in as far as their responsibilities are concerned. So any right that is not accompanied by any responsibilities fizzles into nothingness. So it is important that while our people understand our, their rights, they also understand their responsibilities in building this democratic South Africa. You, just now you are playing a court by Nelson Mandela saying, we need to stand together for whatever problems that may be confronting the people. The, the best weapon that we have is to come together. Let, let us engage in conversation. Because it, doesn't, it does not make logic to destroy a school because you do not want to, want to write an exam. In August, there was a case like that, Ken Vista High School, where the students bent a, 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 a school hall that cost uh, the government 400,000 rands. They bent it because they did not want to write um, uh, exams. It, it's alleged. So, so it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to ban to a clinic because you want a school. You ban a school because you want, you want drugs. It, it doesn't make any sense. So it is our role as academics then to ensure that we engage government, we engage the communities at large. A-teamers, please join in on this conversation. Um, do we have a culture of violent protests in South Africa? What are your thoughts? And uh, perhaps let's even come up with solutions on how we can ensure that our protests, uh, which usually are from a very good cause, are peaceful and are impactful in the right way instead of being violent. Please do call in on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp 614 SMS is go to 41391. On the line, I've got Colin. Good evening, Colin. Good evening, Michelle, and good evening to your guest. You know something? I'm listening to your guest talking inheritance from apartheid and things like that. Anyway, um, if you go to the violence that we have per year, you know, I was listening to your program, I think it was Kathy sometime, we have over 3,000 per year. Now, it's daily, 
about six to ten daily, and ninety percent of them are violent. Now I can understand. Stand up for your right, democracy, things like that. Stand by the street and so and so. But once you start burning, damaging property, and stoning people, it's got nothing to do with the protest, burning of trucks that's carrying food and looting. It's a violent, to me, it's a violent culture. It's an opportunity to be destructive. And I'm telling you, the past might have. Now, the past put violence maybe into those of that time. But we've got young people that were, that were born after 1994, supposed to be educating, go to school, free school, everything like that. We should not have that at this time. 30 years later. Thank you, Michelle. It's Patricia, Colin. Colin, um, don't go just yet. I want to ask you, I mean, if you're saying we should not be having this 30 years into democracy, how can we then fix it? How can we... Patricia, it's Patricia, Colin. I'm sorry, Patricia. Patricia, uh, our politicians, number one, we won't have these demonstrations if they got off their backsides and did what they were voted for, and stop stealing the money. Infrastructure and things like that. Water, sanitation, give to the people. The money is there. But they are also much, much to blame. They are making the people angry, the politicians. And as soon as Ramaphosa gets rid of all that corrupt and useless people that don't even know what they're doing, put the right engineers, put the right management there and the people know how to work with money they can't even read a a spreadsheet or anything like that some of them but they're sitting there getting mega bucks and that is what's frustrating the people but now imagine now if you are living in a town you've got water you've got toilets your schools everything is you've got electricity you've got this and that will the people do that in that area no they only do it because they're frustrated through people that's been put into jobs that don't even know what they're doing. It's all friends, families that's got those positions, and they're not interested in the people. That is why the people uh, take their anger out on other people, passerbys. Thank you very them. much, Colin. No, we heard you. you loud and clearly. Thank you. Let's go to this voice note. Hi, Patricia. The problem is that there is no consequences for violent behavior. As a result, people will not refrain from engaging in violent behavior. Let them be arrested, prosecuted, and serve time in jail. Thank you, David Pintown. So clearly there is an issue. Communities, uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Ngobe, are, are experiencing uh, the, the violence within protests. And uh, here you hear an A-teamer saying politicians need to pull up their socks and uh, let what they are appointed to do be done. On the other hand, another A-teamer via voice note is saying those who are committing violence during protests should be arrested. What's your take on both our A-teamer's comments? Yes, maybe. Uh, let, let me start with this. Uh, in fact, one, one of the comments uh, from your A-team I indicated that, um, you know, there's uh, every 
second day there's a there's a, a, a protest and it's not just any protest it's a violent protest um and in fact at some point in time yeah, south africa was dubbed um, as the world's capital of protest and those are violent protests that we're talking about now when it comes it comes to the the, the destruction that accompanies uh, these protests uh, you see in the pre-94 era this destruction and violence was a convenient tool because it was a, a, a zero-sum game if uh, they, they were to just engage on dialogue because the authorities were not interested in dialogue. So they had to ensure that they embark on destruction on violence. So it was a convenient tool. In the this uh, democratic dispensation, now you say, should we continue then with, with violence uh, in the same way in which it was used in pre-1994? The answer to that is definitely no, because we are now destroying our own. In fact, we are the ones in charge. We are the ones in government. So if we are embarking on, on, on destruction, we are saying we are not in charge. So if we are not in charge, even everything else that is around us, does not. we don't even recognize ourselves in those. So we need to embark on, on, on what we can perhaps refer to as social engineering for our people to understand this whole phenomenon differently and understand the role the role that they're supposed to play in a democratic South Africa um, being you know encouraging active citizenry it is important that they they see themselves as as core builders of this democratic uh, South Africa otherwise if they don't do that unfortunately they will not see themselves as part of it when building schools you know in, in the olden days there was this thing that when building schools, particularly in, in rural areas, when building schools, the community will be called to come and contribute in, in, in building schools. They, they assist others, they contribute their labor and so forth and so on. And the schools that were built in that way, you can never find those schools being bent by the same people who built them. When building roads, who builds these roads? That when the communities are angry, they, 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 they go and dig trenches on those roads. So the communities don't see themselves as being part of building uh, this democratic South Africa until we engage the community and they see themselves as being part of this project. There is no way in which, unfortunately, we can do away with violence. They don't feel like they own this, um, this the, the, the infrastructure in them. They wake up one day, there's a, there's a community library. They wake up the next day, there's a school. They are not even part of that. Sometimes they're not even part of even planning the, uh, the development plans in their communities. In as far as participation is concerned, there's what we refer to as tokenism, where you know there's, there's a, there, there, there appears to be participation of the community, but in the real sense, the community will tell you that we are not participating in, in anything here. We are seeing projects being presented to us. When we talk of service delivery, in fact, maybe we need to even change that term that says delivery. Service shouldn't be delivered to people. People should be part of the of service provision that is being given that 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 that, that they receive because if it's being delivered it means somebody has to come from somewhere and give it to them and deliver it to them so in that way they'll know that whatever we do service tomorrow will be delivered so that's why i'm saying as academics and perhaps as community leaders wherever we are we need to ensure that we embark on social re-engineering let's turn around the mentality of our people to see that this is no longer a pre-1994 era we are now in a democratic dispensation where we're supposed to get to Get, get together, pull, pull our socks together, and ensure that we chat, we determine our own future, as opposed to, to waiting for service delivery. Let me go okay. to the lines. Uh, Luther is holding. Good evening, A.T. Luther. Morning, my lady. I just want to say something. You know what? I think now, if we now want to have a, a stop into this uh, violent protest, we have just to shift from this party politics. 
and get a, 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 a someone from your own community that is going to represent you into the problems that you'll be encountering. Then uh, instead of marching violently to those to the institutions now of the government, we just uh, go straight to him and talk to him about your own problems. Instead of marching into the road, disturbing other people who are not involved, that particular community has to uh, ch- charge against the one that they have uh, elected to represent their problems. Mm. If we shift away from this party politics, because the problem is with the party politics. Thank you so very much, Luther. We heard you loud and clearly. I'm going to Anonymous now. Good evening, Anonymous. Good evening to you, Patricia. Welcome back. And I just wanted to tell you, your guest is 100% in what he's discussing there, which I've been listening attentively. Uh, I just want to say, uh, ask a question. You know, you people, uh, everyone says that uh, vote for the person who lives in your town or lives in your area, who understands the plight of the people better. But once they are elected, I found many of them do that. Once they are elected, then they go and live, they sell their homes, and they go and live with the elites. They're no longer here. The second year, third year, they're gone. They're no longer in our town. They're no, no, no longer living with us that we can go to them. There's another councillor that's there. Now, if they're from another town, and then sometimes we have councillors elected in our town that move to another town. A councillor is elected in Ward 106, is now in Tongat, and uh, the councillor from Tongat, who is the PR councillor there in Tongat for the DA, is now in hiding in the municipal, uh, in the Metro uh, Police Department. Hmm. But uh, I don't understand what's going on here. Well, I don't have the answers. (laughs) I don't have the answers, uh, Anonymous, uh, but thank you very much for calling in. Yes. So um, let's go to this voice note and then wrap up our discussion. We are asking the question, do we have a culture of violent protests in South Africa and what can be done with it? Uh, Let me bring another perspective uh, to this discussion, I suspect. It's a killer from Devon. Uh, suspect as a postgraduate student, you know, I've witnessed these protests and I've been part of them as well, you know. So what happens is sometimes we we'll demonstrate a very peaceful march, okay? But what happens is the institutions uh, in this in this in this regard will be a university where we are protest, uh, protesting, uh, maybe for a change of curriculum uh, for whatever reason. They will just call up on us uh, police who will come and disperse us in a very violent way. Therefore, you will find people responding to these uh, violent police or violent uh, government. Uh, I'm talking from experience. Sometimes the government needs to look at itself as well. How do they deal with protest, peaceful protest? Thank you. Thank you very much, A-teamers, for contributing. Um, Dr. Ngube, let's wrap up our uh, discussion. It's, it seems that there, there's a many elements uh, that come into the violence in our protest. But uh, this message, this one from this ATMO says, we as South Africans are generally violent. Look at all the killings and GBV in the country. This is from Mr. Jani in Cape Town. Um, what are your parting words? Thank you, Sotole. Look, there is no denying the fact that violence is a perennial problem in South Africa. There is no denying that. And, there are, and as we are discussing here, we are highlighting a, a, a quite a, lot, a number of facets uh, through which uh, it, it presents itself. Now, 
I think one of the critical issues will be to look at the aspect of leadership. Because we are in this great democratic project, we also need to look at the aspect of leadership. And when I am not only referring to the political leadership, leadership starts in our own homes, where we are. I'm a father, I've got two children. I have to provide leadership in such a manner that even where violence uh, manifests itself as it did in July, my child cannot walk out of my home and go to ShopRite and loot and then come back home and present that and then I gladly accept that. Mm. I have to provide leadership and groom my child in such a way that he becomes a responsible um, individual in the community. That's one aspect. And as we escalate, we also look at the leadership in, in in, um, in our societies and of course the political leadership when it comes to the political leadership we, we we implore the leadership that every leader must have a benevolent intent towards the people let's be- let's wrap it up there dr Ngube, because of time i need to go to the news but thank you so very much uh, for joining us and giving us perspective on this you are welcome uh, Sotwale. thank you Atimaza, let's go straight to the news with uh, mudubi mahalimela hola mudubi